So today we have the second of our sermon series um, about the, the membership um, promises that we make. And uh, they are prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. And today we're talking about presence. Uh, in order to get us kind of kicked off, I want to show a, a YouTube um, video. It's a short clip by a comedian by the name of John B. Christ. He has a YouTube channel, and you can check that out. Um, and uh, he's very funny. This particular one is satirical in nature, and it is about, um, it's called Virtual Reality Church. Uh, and it goes kind of goes fast. Um, I want to make sure you know, I'm not showing this because I want to poke fun uh, at people who participate in worship via live stream or YouTube because their schedule doesn't allow them to be in worship or their physical condition doesn't allow them to be in worship. Uh, worship live streaming in, in that broaden our inclusion um, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, but I'm going to let you see this uh, short, less than two minute clip, so pay attention. It moves quickly and then, then we'll move on from there. Virtual Reality Church. Tired of having to wake up, get dressed, and drive across town just to attend your favorite service? Introducing Virtual Reality Church. Start by choosing a church building that meets your needs. Tired of the stress of having to choose a Sunday morning outfit? Never make a fashion mistake again, because Virtual Reality Church will style you based on your denomination. Not a people person? Select the introvert experience to completely eliminate the welcome team, meet and greet time, connect cards, and that awkward hold hands with the person next to you thing we still do. Next, personalize your morning by choosing the worship experience that you want. Feeling a touch of white guilt? Add a minority worship leader. Custom options even let you tailor the skinniness of your worship leader's jeans. Finally, no more having to endure songs that you don't like. With Virtual Reality Church, you're in charge. For the sermon, choose the amount of conviction you like and we'll select a pastor for you. We'll even let you tailor your sermon topics so you'll never have to attend a Vision Sunday or a sermon series on giving. And never worry again about dozing off during the sermon. With Virtual Reality Church, you can sleep as long as you want. Kids being bad in nursery? Who cares? Worried about missing a football game? Enter your favorite team and we'll provide notifications when the game is starting. Never miss a kickoff again. Want to go forward for prayer? Well, if you selected a Pentecostal service, always stand in front of a mattress. Even connect your social media accounts and we'll post for you. Get credit for being super spiritual all from the comfort of your couch. Finally, an option for people asking the question, how can I make Sunday morning even more about me? Virtual Reality Church, the future of church attendance. Uh, I think you can find uh, more of his uh, YouTube videos on his own channel, and um, they are uniformly uh, insightful as well as funny. So. And I want to thank Alan Price for connecting us to that resource. Um, so one of the things that makes that uh, video so funny, I suppose, is that um, somehow it's uh, poking fun at this presence idea and um, what's involved with being present. Um, 
if you'll uh, remember with me, the content of our affirmation is, will you faithfully participate as a member of this church? Will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your, and we're talking about presence today. So first of all, what does presence mean when, when we say we're going to support, we're going to faithfully participate by our presence? Well, obviously, the, the most basic thing is that it means being physically present, I suppose. Um, and we may even think about it as going to church. Um, there is, uh, it's actually kind of difficult to look in the scriptures and, and find direct quotes you can just lift out that say it's your obligation to go to church because church was a little different then and, and the Sabbath was being worked out. But honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy is one of the Ten Commandments and, and going to church is not the only way to do that or maybe the complete way to do it, but it certainly is one important way to do that. So physical participation, um, going and being there is a sign, a sign for ourselves that we are honoring God with, uh, for what is for many of us, one of the most uh, significant and precious resources we have, our time and setting aside time um, just even if it's the one hour a week where we are making it clear that God is our first priority that orders all the rest of our lives. Worship and just going is a, a witness and a sign in and of itself. So physical participation is important, and I, and I think about it um, in a way from my own very, very simple analogy, my simple mind. I have this idea of like, if you want to get fresh food, um, since I don't grow mine at home and most of us don't, I have to go to the grocery store every week to get fresh physical food to be fed. And I really feel almost the same way about worship. I need to go every week to get spiritually fed fresh food, and I need that. And it anchors my relationship with God. Sometimes even when the messages don't connect to me, if I don't like the hymns, the simple physical act of being in the presence and going to the effort of that dedication of that time, it's part of helping to shape me and my relationship with God and feeding me for my ministry in the world throughout the week which is what all of us are called to have, a ministry in the world throughout the week. Uh, so physical presence is, is really important. And there are many people, I think, who probably are worshiping remotely, who are uh, not physically present, but who are really present as best they can be, and that's important. Um, I wonder, though, if physical presence is all that's implied. I think that it is probably not. Um, his satire is kind of aimed uh, ostensibly poking fun of the idea of participating in church without being physically present uh, because it's uh, much more convenient that way. Um, but I think his satire is even sharper because it's also aimed at the idea of that is quite possible to be part of a church 
and worship egocentrically. And um, that's what really catches me and catches me off guard, gets me in the satire. Uh, am I sometimes, just even the language that I used about that physical presence, I'm going to get my spiritual food for the week, my fresh spiritual food. That's kind of egocentric. Uh, or I think that a lot of us kind of feel a little bit, there's a part of us that worship is our filling station for our spiritual energy. And we go to the um, spill, fill, filling station to get gassed up for the week. And um, he's kind of poking fun at how it, it can be just easiest to go to the most convenient filling station possible. But I think that there are more dimensions to what we mean ideally by the affirmation that we'll be present in church, that we'll participate with our presence. And um, that's why I had uh, Jennifer read the scripture from 1 Corinthians 14, which on its face is kind of a strange scripture to pick for today, but I think as Paul was dealing with the problems at his church in Corinth, which I'll explain in a minute, I think that he was articulating the right way to think about that situation in terms of principles that were about spiritual and relational presence, which I think are also what our ideal when we say we'll faithfully participate with our presence. So just so you know, Paul is writing to a church in Corinth um, that's having a lot of disagreements about how to order many aspects of their community life. And um, the issue in 1 Corinthians 14 um, is how to conduct their worship time together. And there were people in the congregation who, um, we don't know if Paul maybe coined the term spoken tongues, but they had ecstatic experiences of spiritual communion with God uh, that led them to speak utterances, speak in languages that were not identifiable to others. Maybe it was like angelic speech, but... And um, this can involve being kind of in a little bit of a trance-like rapture. Um, it's... Uh, part of the Pentecostal worship experience, part of Pentecostal theology. Um, there can be Pentecostal experiences in Methodist churches, but we don't talk about them very much. Uh, and, and those experiences uh, oftentimes are a climax uh, after a time of praise and prayer uh, that's very in in intense. And um, so these eruptions of speaking in tongues in the Corinthian setting could erupt during corporate worship, um, and the spirit is in control. So at uh, times that are not in an orderly way, and um, so this apparently was causing some strife and stress in the congregation, and Paul wrote to address it, among other things. So the first thing is that Paul affirms that this really, this experience of speaking in tongues, it really is a spiritual gift. He doesn't question its validity. He doesn't question whether it's of God. He doesn't question whether it's something that can be 
very, very edifying and helpful for a believer to experience. So Paul is not arguing with tongues, but he contrasts it and kind of makes it relatively less than what is called prophecy in his language. And, um, and so he says there are two things. Uh, tongues is good, but not when it causes disorder, disruption in worship. And tongues is good when there's someone there who can interpret it and make sense of it for everyone. Uh, think of it this way. If you've ever been uh, in a room full of people who have all shared a common experience and they're all talking about it and they're enthusiastic about it and you don't share that experience and no one tries to bring you into it, is it any way upbuilding for you? It can actually be isolating and alienating to be in that setting. And, and Paul's just pointing out, for one thing, a very simple dimension that if you have somebody having these wonderful experiences right in the middle of worship, and there's no one who can help interpret that for other people, it's just an isolation. And it's a kind of, maybe it could even be a self-centered kind of experience. Which he says needs to be kept in balance with building up the community. Tongues build up individuals and their sense of the awareness of God's presence, of God being active and at work in the world. It can be an, uh, an intention-getting um, facet of a believer's journey of faith, but it needs to be something that is put to the benefit, ultimately, of the whole community. So he affirms that prophecy, which is interpretation, is much more important and always needs to accompany it. Now, when we hear the word prophecy as a modern person, we really get, Jeannie Dixon ruined this for generations, okay? We think psychics, we think projecting, predicting the future, we think kind of extraordinary or fake or, you know, we, we also tend to think of it as very future projected. But if you look even in, in the part that we read, Paul doesn't have that understanding of prophecy in mind at all. Um, he says people who prophesy speak to other people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, their consolation. A really prophetic work is just about interpretation of your context. So when somebody talks about their life and thinks about what God is doing in their life, they're kind of being prophetic about their situation. What's God's view on this situation? How does God see this? What would God want us to do? What would Jesus do? People thinking together about that or people bringing themselves more in contact, more with God and with their faith. This is kind of prophetic work. 
the Sunday school teachers we lifted up today, who in lots of ways, large and small, are building up faith in children, they're doing prophetic work. So Paul says, you know what? The church is meant to be a place where we are all thinking not only about our own God dose, but about how God is using us in interactions with other people. Now, that can sound really, really uh, intimidating, right? I, I can hear you filling in the, well, I don't, you know, I don't even know the Bible that well. I didn't go to seminary. Isn't that what they sent you there for? Um, but think about the times in which you have been encouraged, consoled, or fortified in your faith. How many times have those come from someone else and not through the sermon? But for someone who welcomed you, someone who noticed that you were distressed and asked if they could help, someone who told you they were praying for you, someone who remembered your name. You know what? If I had a dollar for every time somebody said to me, oh, you, you and John are so good at remembering people's names. How do you do that? Well, let me tell you, it is not a natural gift. I mean, maybe for not, it's not for me. Is it for you, John? No, Cindy, it is. No. <laughs> it is not a natural gift. Uh, snarcasm is a natural gift. But remembering names is not one, and nor for me. It's simply because it's not our job as ministers. We kind of get that it's our job as Christians because we are the body of Christ. There aren't even ministers in official form at the time of the New Testament when Paul writes, we are the body of Christ. That's us. Every single one of us. After Paul goes on, uh, I, I kind of chopped up chapter uh, 14 of Corinthians just because I knew you were going to go blah about tongues. And, and, uh, <laughs> but when he kind of comes to wrapping things he, up, he says, what should be done, my friends? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So I want you to put your goggles on of looking at the people around you as other parts of the body of Christ. Maybe you are trying to reach out to connect with somebody because you need something. There are lots of times when something I've said to someone has helped them. I hadn't even known that. Same thing that I've experienced. One, one Bible study, we were, I was leading the Bible study. Jen Martin said to me, 
One of, the, one of the things that I have lived with since then, so profound, so much in, in help, and she didn't know. I forgot to mention it to her, kind of sunk in after a while. But you have the opportunity to do that for each other. So part of being present is being spiritually and relationally present. Noticing the people around you, trying to learn who they are, what their story is, sharing what your own story is, offering your insights to people around you, praying for each other. You know what? That may sound really condescending. No one has to know if you're praying for them. You can just do it. So I suppose all that sounds kind of kumbaya. Anybody, when you hear that Matthew passage about wherever two or more of you are gathered in his name, there I am with you, Jesus says. Do you ever get, whenever I hear that, I get an image of the who's at Whoville standing around the Christmas tree. <laughs> ba boom boom bop. Interestingly, that scripture about Two or, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with you, is written in a context in which Jesus is ex explaining to them how to deal with conflict in the church. Now, when we come, even as people together, we come to get our spiritual filling up. We don't want any bad newsy, conflicty kind of stuff coming into that, do we? It doesn't fit with Bapumborum. So the really profound insight from Matthew is that while you are struggling together and wrestling together about how to resolve issues that bring in questions of right and wrong in the congregation, and I would say in the denomination, in that... When you're doing that, seeking God's will in the name of Jesus, Jesus is there with you. You are being the body of Christ. I know, I, I know personally, and I know from hearing how discouraging this denominational grind is to everyone. It is discouraging. I just have to trust that as we are working honestly together, we need to stay present because Christ is at work in this. May not be in our time frame we really want, and I'm not even making a position about, you know, staying with the domination, moving, or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not making a statement about that, but conflict is not something that keeps the body of Christ from being constituted. So, here, this good news. Virtual reality church is so much less than what real church is. When people are present to God and present to one another, God uses our connections together no matter how humble they are, 
in ways to bring God's healing, saving work afresh into our lives and into our community. So keep on being present fully, and God will surely be present with us. Amen.